Hello and welcome to Sometimes Dead is Better, part two. And it's me, Kristen. And me, Chris. And if you recall, our last movie we talked about was The Blair Witch Project. So what in the world do you think I want to talk about, Chris? Well, I would guess it would have something to do with uh, you know, a camping mishap mm-hmm. or a, possibly a witch. Could be. Or Blair. <laughs> yeah, there's a, this stars a, a woman named Blair. Well, also, this is a side note, but my comic friend in Atlanta here, her name is Blair Erskine, and she is blowing up on Twitter. If you follow her now, she has, I think, uh, over 140,000 followers. She went from 7,000, and she just keeps getting bigger and bigger. She starts, She does these sketch comedy. They're usually political, but they're very funny, and she has just blown up now. Malcolm Gladwell retweets her and Patton Oswalt follows her. I mean, she's going to get something big out of this. She's on Cameo now. People have her do cameos. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, her name's Blair Erskine. Blair with an E, E-R-I-S-K-E. And she's the sweetest, funniest person. She deserves all the success that she's going to get. You know, kind of like Sarah Cooper. You know, she's the comedian who... Yeah, she's great. And now she's got a Netflix special. And I guarantee you something like that is coming for Blair because she's so clever and she's so sweet and hilarious and smart. I've seen her. She's, yeah, I saw her a bit. I watched her, the thing where she went to the front row of the Trump rally. That's my friend Blair. This one, getting starstruck. Yeah, it's pretty cool. She's she's wonderful. There's my Blair corner. But we'll get back to our true crime. Okay, so this is, I think I teased it last time. It's not exactly a true crime per se. It's a true story. Oh, right. You did mention that. It could be a crime. We don't know. It's a mystery. How about that? Yeah, intriguing. Okay. So first, we'll just do a little information about camping. Now, I am one who I I really love the idea of camping, but I've never done it properly. Like, I've gone to, like, Girl Scout camp and stuff like that. And I set the the tent up in the backyard with Adam. But that's as far as I've gotten. I really want to go out into the woods and camp and cook over a fire, but I I just don't haven't taken that leap yet. Well, I will say that the maybe twice in my life I've gone camping, like deep in the woods camping in Tennessee or wherever it was, I got severe poison ivy all over the face. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like and both my eyes swelled shut. It was terrible. <sighs> which is weird because I grew up like next to the woods. But something about those particular camping experiences both times I guess it just rolled around in poison ivy. <laughs> I don't know, but, um, so I can't do it either, apparently. Not successfully. Okay. Although I do remember having fun. I got a tent for Christmas last year. Oh, that's cute. But that's as far as I've gotten. This year for Christmas, I want an archery set. I just don't know what, <laughs> what I want to do your with problem? my life. <laughs> I love archery. Have you ever done it? It's How so do you fun. even love archery? <laughs> yes. When, when I was a kid, I had a bow and arrow. It was awesome. That's from Elisa's Girl Scout camp when we were there. Well, the reason I loved archery is because I want to be a ninja, so that's different. I'm not sure why you like archery. I just imagine next time I see you, you'll be full-on Black Widow at this point. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds great. Anyway, camping. All right. So about 2,000 people get lost in the woods every year. And most people are rescued within 24 hours. Something I thought was interesting and maybe important 
to anyone listening is that you're more likely to have issues like if you're going day hiking because when you go day hiking you usually only bring the clothes on your back you bring a little bit of water you might bring some food even in areas where it seems like you're not out in the middle of nowhere service on your cell phone can disappear whereas if you're on a two or three night trek and you get lost you have your tent to put up you have extra clothes possibly extra food and so that's just something to keep in mind. And also something that I thought was interesting was if you get wet, even in like 65 degree weather, like if you're camping where it's in the tropical climate, it could still be fatal and you could become hypothermic, which was made me think of that scene in Blair Witch when Heather gets her shoes all wet Heather. and they all laugh at her. <laughs> oh, Heather. Here's one little story. This isn't the main one. So this was about a 66 year old Geraldine Largay. She wanted to hike the entire Appalachian Trail, which is 2,168 miles. Um, I actually have a friend named Sally Brooks. She's also a comic. She's a real comic, though. She's been doing it like 10 years. She has an album. You should look her up, too. Her and another great comic who's a super person, Jenna Neal Smith, have a podcast called Dumb Love. So I'll plug that, too. So you should look that up. But anyway, she has hiked the entire Appalachian Trail, and she actually just finished a book on it. Um, we have to keep a lookout for that. I'm not sure when it's going to be published, but that sounds really interesting. You know, maybe I should start with talking to her about how to camp, because she clearly knows <laughs> right. what she's doing. Well, so, but Geraldine, again, she was retired. She was 1,000 miles into her trek. She got off the trail to use the bathroom and got disoriented on where she was, and her body wasn't found for two years. And it gets sadder. Uh, so her husband was driving along with her. He didn't want to do all the camping stuff too. So he would drive and then meet her at certain checkpoints to bring her food and supplies. And then she would go on her way and he'd meet at the next checkpoint. And so when she got lost, she tried to text her husband, but the text never went through. And the last texts were like, I'm lost, please help, send police, XOXO. Oh God. It's very sad. Yeah, can you imagine him finding those texts later? So uh, he goes to the next checkpoint and she doesn't show up. And so they start looking for her. But again, they didn't find her until two years later. And when they did find her, they realized that she had spent two days going the wrong way. And then she stayed alive for another 24 days. And when they found her, she was less than two miles from the trail. Oh, my God. And they knew that this had all happened because she had been keeping a journal. And part of it was to communicate with her husband and her kids and part of it also was probably to not go crazy you know on the Blair Witch website like I mentioned I think it's the original website that they started they have Heather's field journal and they like I had said they have 38 pages of handwritten notes about what's happening every day so if you want to dive deeper into Blair Witch I definitely recommend going on the website and checking it out there's photos which are clearly not real photos but they look real you know but so the big story I'm going to tell you is about Dyatlov Pass incident. Okay. Have you ever heard of this? No. Dyatlov is a Russian name. So this takes place in 1959 in the old Soviet Union. You remember that? I sure do. <laughs> and so in late January 1959, 10 hikers, which are two women and eight men, most from Ural State Technical University, Ural, U-R-A-L. They start a two-week expedition into the freezing northern Soviet Union in the Euro Mountains. Sounds fun. <laughs> Sounds intense. Their destination being Mount Ortorio. And we're talking like they're going out there in negative 
10 to 30 degree weather. They say they're experienced, but once I get into this, you'll see like they're all mostly in their early 20s. The whole point was to reach this other mountain or was it was it more of like the journey itself was the, the mission or? Well, what they're, they're trying to do is get their level three skiing and hiking certificate. Oh, I see. Okay. And so they skied and hiked all this way. So the leader of the pack was Igor Dyatlov, being where this pass ends up being named after him. Mm, That's probably good, right? Not in a good way. (laughs) Like the Donner Party. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So Igor is a 23-year-old engineering student. And then there's also Yuri Krivenshenko, who's 23. Yuri Doroshenko, who's 21. Zina Kolaroda, who's 22. And Luda Dubanina, who's 20. Those are the two women. Alexander Kolvatov, Rustium Slobodin, Nikolai Brinoles, 23. And there was one outlier. His name was uh, Semyon Zolotarov, who was 38. He was not a student. Uh, They met him along the way somehow, or he wanted to go along with them. So the only survivor of the troop, hint, hint, was Yuri Yudin, 21. They had faced bears and vipers during their hiking before. Vipers? Vipers. Yeah, there's vipers apparently in Russia. Jeez. Which is pretty terrifying. Yeah. Luda was actually shot in the leg one time on a hiking trip, a hunting accident. Sure. And she was able to hike back. So, I mean, when we say that they're they're young, but they have been through some shit. Yeah. I guess it's just what happens in Russia. <laughs> Where, yes. Wherever they are. What else do you do? Yeah. So they... Spend the night in an abandoned mine one night, which sounds pretty cool. And Yuri decides he's not feeling well. So he takes some geological samples back to this small town and decides that he's not going to continue on with the group. So the rest of the group is seven days into a 16-day expedition. So on February 2nd, they're getting slightly off course. There's a bit of a snowstorm, and they get veered off towards the west. So they end up setting up camp at the base of a mountain called Kolat Sakal, which means dead mountain in the language of the indigenous Mansi people of that region, which is uh, not a good sign, I would say. And the Mansi people were an indigenous tribe that lived around there. Okay, this is weird. They like to party. So they would find like psychedelic mushrooms, but they realized that you couldn't eat them because it would make you sick. They were toxic. So they would feed them to their reindeer and then drink the reindeer pee and then trip balls. <laughs> But, but I mean, like, you know, it, it does beg the question of how they figured that out. I mean, <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they just like to drink reindeer beer anyway. I can't believe someone wasn't like, this is the best option. Really, guys? <laughs> There's got to be something else. Can we put it in a goat and then drink the uh, goat milk? I just like the idea of one of their councils. This guy was like, I have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Hear me out. <laughs> so they decide to camp that night. So that way in the morning, they can get the right direction and get going. But six to eight hours after they ate dinner something happened on february 12th they were missing like people realized they were missing because they were supposed to come back and send a telegram but they weren't like it wasn't like a hard we're going to be back on the february 12th they also said that they might explore some more so it wasn't until february 20th that searchers and some of the army members went out then on february 26th they found their campsite so they find the tent the tent has been ripped open from the inside. Shoes and clothing were still in the tent and around the tent they see footprints of the nine people going out of the tent, some with no shoes or just one shoe on. And so they only found the footprints of the nine hikers. They're not to appear to be any other people or animals. 
that were around the tent. All nine bodies are found. Two bodies are found a mile down the mountain from the campsite. They found a fire had been made, and it looked like one of the campers had tried to climb a tree to get an idea of where they were. They had injuries that showed either from getting scraped up from the tree, there were branches that had been broken. But the thing is, they had no shoes on, and they were only wearing their underwear. Well, maybe they were attacked by a bear. There was no sign of any of that damage to them. Yeah. For these two bodies, the cause of death was hypothermia. Well, I was just thinking, okay, maybe not mold, but you know, that's why maybe they were climbing the trees to get oh, away from the bear. Oh, climbing up the tree yeah. to get away from the bear? But there was no bear prints. Okay. Carry on. Okay. Also, their hands were burned, and that could have been from the fire. Bear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was a fire bear. <laughs> It was the bear from Midsummer. Yes. <laughs> they got burned and bared. Absolutely. So three more bodies were found between the camp and the trees where these other bodies were found. They looked like they were they were frozen, like trying to get back to the camp. One had a fractured skull, but it didn't appear it was fatal. And all of these deaths were also ruled as hypothermia. Okay, so this doesn't seem too weird so far. It's a little odd, but it gets really strange now okay okay the last four bodies were found four months later under nine feet of snow and they were down past the trees so we had the camp then halfway we found the three bodies then two bodies at a little further a mile away and then these bodies down past the trees these people did not die of hypothermia one body had a crushed skull one had broken ribs one was missing a tongue and lips Two of the bodies were missing eyeballs, and it wasn't like they had been eaten by an animal. It's like they were just gone. Because you could see the damage that would be caused, like if a bird was pecking at the eyeball or something like that. Uh, Now, the government says that it was because there was a stream that was flowing through there. So the stream ran across their faces until it just pretty much washed them away. Were they found in the stream? I don't know, but it had also been four months. Oh, okay. And so that's what the government said, but also... No one was allowed to go to the pass for four years after the incident. All the files and photos that were found on the camera of the campers was top secret until the 90s. And again, but we are talking about the Soviet Union here. What I know of the Soviet Union is Chernobyl. <laughs> and I mean the TV show, not like the actual historical <laughs> event. Right. But it seems like that's a common thing. They're, they were pretty secretive. And, and the Americans, you know, I've seen that. So I, I'm sure I know all about Russia. Oh, I know you watch the Americans too. Well, we watched a, a season of it. So I got it. I get what the Russians are all about. <laughs> I'm, and I'm kidding. So these bodies, they had broken bones. There was no outward damage to the body. I don't know if that makes sense. These injuries could not be caused by a person. They suffered what they called extreme force, which is what you might get like in a car wreck. And what's even creepier is that the clothes that these hikers were wearing turned out to belong to the other bodies that were found. So it seems like they may have taken the clothes off of their friends, presumably after they had died, and kept going. Super weird, yeah. Yeah, why those two that were found were in their underwear and no shoes. Another thing that's super weird is that some of the clothing was found to be radioactive. And so they were near a nuclear test site but it doesn't make sense that the whole area wasn't radioactive. Only these few pieces of clothing, like the bodies weren't. So there's really no way to explain that. Well, I mean, except aliens. What? <laughs> aliens. Yes. Or again, it's Russia. So I just assume everywhere is <laughs> nuclear testing. So their cause of death, these four bodies, were listed as a compelling natural force 
that they couldn't overcome. Pretty vague. So let's get into the theories now. Okay. okay? Can I present my theory first? Yes, okay. please. Aliens. <laughs> okay. So I watched Fire in the Sky two nights ago. It's on Amazon Prime. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, it holds up, more or less. Yeah. All the alien stuff is still super scary. Uh-huh. The rest of it's kind of like a weird melodrama. Uh, but I loved it. But that is still the scariest alien movie of all time, for sure. Uh, and of course, I've seen all the X-Files episodes. Fire in the Sky used to freak my sister out a lot. And D.B. Sweeney, who I loved, had a big crush on. <laughs> From the ice skating movie. Yes, The Cutting Edge. Yes. That's a great movie. Yeah. You guys should check it out. So with the radiation and the injuries that can't be explained by, a, you know, a, no force that can be caused by a human. So maybe there was like zero G gravity, wherever they were, and they're being tossed around the spaceship. Oh, and then they just dropped him back where they were? Yeah. Okay. And as far as them being naked, I mean, they're obviously being probed. <laughs> right. Of course. Because that's what all aliens want to do. They just want to yeah. look up our butts. Well, I mean, or just look at us naked. I don't know. Okay. That is one of the theories that people say. And this kind of goes into another theory, which is that they were doing Soviet Union missile testing. And there is some uh, stuff to corroborate this because that night that the hikers their last night, there were reports of bright flying spheres in the sky at that time, because hikers also reported seeing the light on the same night. Well, that, that, that could corroborate my theory or the or Right, the exactly. Theory. So on the camera roll of one of the guys, the last shot is just bright lights against a black background. That was creepy. Yeah, so it could have been just, you know, the camera fell and took a picture, or it could have been anything. But, I mean, that's pretty weird. Uh, the Yeti? Also is a theory that people like to throw out there because of the, the inhumane damage. They they would be strong enough to cause these these injuries. Okay, so here is boring one. Avalanche. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> so they fled so quickly from the tent, so they had to cut through it. Maybe they heard it coming. It could also explain the trauma to the four, but there wasn't any known avalanches that happened at that spot before or since. And also there wasn't the evidence of an avalanche happening. I mean, their stuff wasn't buried. The trees weren't knocked down. Uh, they also thought it might have been what they call a snow slab, which is like, I guess, where a big giant piece of snow just slides over and can cause some bad damage. Also, some people had a theory about the Mansi tribe attacking them, but that's pretty ridiculous because the Mansi tribe, one, were peaceful people. They never, for any reason, had hurt anybody. And also there was no other footprints around no other evidence of other people that that wouldn't explain the damage to those four bodies poor mancy people don't bring them into this yeah they're just drinking their reindeer pee having a great time yeah and why would they do it except what motive would they have i guess another kind of in the same vein as the avalanche and the snow slab it could have been what they call a catabatic wind which is wind that can rush so quickly that it's almost like hurricane-like speed and they're saying like maybe that could have possibly happened theoretically in between where the mountain and where they were camping was, which that makes sense. That'd be something to run from, but you can't see it. Okay, but now we're gonna get to my two favorites. Well, one theory is that maybe those two guys who were found in their underwear had a case of paradoxal undressing, which is something that happens in a quarter of all hypothermia victims. And it's where people who are freezing to death feel like they are on fire so they take all their clothes off because they're so hot. What? The, which is just fascinating to me and terrifying. I realized that I love any adventure books or anything, any true adventures. Those are my favorite books. 
So one of my favorite books is called Shadow Divers, and it's about scuba divers who dive really dangerous shipwrecks. And it is terrifying. It's a completely true story. And just the idea of what these guys are doing, it's like it's like the people, like if you watch Free Solo, which I love that movie too. Not Solo, not the Han Solo movie, Chris. <laughs> Come on back. I know your brain just went bing. <laughs> but did you watch Free Solo? No, but I believe that uh, you and Brian have talked about it before. Yeah, that it's so good. And it's about the, the climber who climbs with no ropes. And this is a small percentage of climbers who climb with no ropes. And it's like, this is like the ultimate extreme of this sport. And people who scuba dive shipwrecks are the extreme of their sport. It's the, one of the most dangerous things you can do. You're going into places that you cannot see. And I'm telling you, the book Shadow Divers is as scary as anything Stephen King has written. I love it so much. And so one of my biggest fears is the bends. And they describe it in Shadow Divers. It's not just, a, now you're thinking about Radiohead. Come on, <laughs> focus. And that, it can also happen if you go too far underwater or it pe- happens to people who go, a construction workers or go too far into the center of the earth. How they describe it in Shadow Divers is like you get disorientated, you start to have a panic attack. And what usually happens is the, the people end up taking off their masks, taking off their oxygen, and just floating off. They have had reports of the crabs starting to talk to them, telling them, take your mask off. <laughs> just take your mask off. I, I mean, it's how, not funny, but... I know, but it's it's terrifying, right? I just imagine like cartoon crabs. You know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like in Finding Nemo, like yeah. those crabs, they start talking to you. And so that just, it freaks me out so much. So this idea of the paradoxical undressing, like everything that can happen inside your brain uh, is just fascinating to me. Well, I don't think that theory is very likely, though, because it would have had to happen to both of them, which it seems like is a pretty rare phenomenon. Oh, right. Fwala do. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> Just trying to get you to say it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because what are the chances that they both have it at the same time? And then the people around them are just like, guys, settle down. <laughs> settle down. <laughs> <laughs> So then we, I have one more, and this is another one of my favorites, again, because it's super freaky. Some places on the Earth have what they call a, a vortex, and it causes an infrasound frequency, which is a sound that is loud, but cannot be heard by people. So what happens is you only feel it in your body, and it creates fear and dread and confusion and causes panic attacks. Is this making you so excited? This sounds like, uh, A, an episode of Lost, or maybe there's literally an episode of Castle Rock about this, too. That's true. I'm They're calling sure. out to the forest. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't think it was a real... Are we sure this is a real thing? Or is this like just a theory? Or It could be a theory. Okay. But... I'm not trying to bark, um, blow up your spot or anything. But. Okay. So there's an engineer who is named Vic Tandy. And one night he was working in his workshop, and he was overwhelmed with fear and saw what he thought was like a gray shape. And he went home that night, like scared. And the next day he came back to his shop and he noticed that there was, he was a fencer. So he had these fencing swords up on his wall and he noticed that the blade was vibrating. So being an engineer, he calculated the frequency in his workshop and realized that it was 19 Hertz. So normal hearing starts at 20 Hertz. Anything below that is what they call infrasound. And so his theory was that this is what was causing this issue. Um, So he also investigated a pub that was supposed to be haunted. People had reported being overwhelmed by fear and seeing a gray object, the same as he did. 
and he found the frequency there was 19 hertz. That's I'm cool. just putting that out there. Also, I mean, that I, I imagine with like one of those Ghostbuster detectors, but well, he also like he he had a fan that was going on in his workshop, and when he turned that fan off, then the hertz went back to normal. So it was something as simple as that, just this fan that he had going on up in the ceiling. So it just makes sense that this could be something to explain people who feel the ghosts or people who say they walk into a room and are all of a sudden overcome with you know fear and they feel like something's watching them. Could it be something that's happening in these vibrations that we can't even recognize it's affecting our brain? I just to pause on that for a second. Okay. I had a straight up poltergeist experience the other day. What? Yes, I was in my kitchen. I was, and I opened my cabinet, and you know, it was just my cabinet where like my um, my Tupperware bowls are. There's nothing else in there, just Tupperware bowls, and they're and they're you know they're stacked pretty fairly neatly. Nothing to explain what what happens after this. And so you know, I open the cabinet and I and I kind of turn around, and one of the Tupperware bowls comes flying out of the cabinet. Shut up! Halfway across the kitchen, lands on the floor. No way! I swear to God. And I, I just stood there. I wasn't scared. I was <laughs> Your just like, "Your cabinets are like barren. I mean, you don't have a lot of stuff stuffed in them. You know what I mean? No, like, yeah, oh. that's why. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's quite a bit of Tupperware, more than you would maybe imagine. But it's okay. not like where it was like nothing to like make something explode. <laughs> once oh my I open gosh. The cabinet. And there was also like a minute after I opened it. So I thought, at first I thought, okay, there's obviously a snake in there. And it like, you know, kicked of course. Thing, uh, And that wasn't the case. And then the only other thing, I mean, I, I was looking at the way it was stacked. I couldn't figure it out. I mean, it was the, it made no sense. So That's crazy. Uh, so now I, we believe in ghosts. We're going to start no, a whole new I, side I, podcast. I, I, I'll agree that I had a, a paranormal experience. How about that? Wow. Um, okay. Very cool. Although, I mean, that's <laughs> If it really was a paranormal experience, that's pretty lame as far as things goes. But that's scary. I I was terrified. Well, one of my the creepiest parts in Poltergeist to me was you think it's like oh the clown is it the bodies that were real or whatever we gotta do Poltergeist by the way. It's on uh, Amazon, I think. Oh, it's when like the the paranormal guys come over to the house and they just tell a little story about a toy truck that was slowly moving. Do you remember this? I don't, I, it's been so long since I've seen oh. that. I honestly don't. So they just tell a little story about a toy truck that was moving so slowly you couldn't see it, but they put a camera on it and then you could see that it was moving super slow, which for some reason just freaks me out. Like just. Creepy. There's also a Tim and Eric bedtime stories, which I need, I want to plug that show again. Cause it's scary too. Like that they have, it's really creepy, even though it's also humorous. There's one really crazy episode about Scotty, who's a singer and he, can somehow sing what they call a brown note. Or if you ever heard that, like in a theory, there's a theory that there's a certain note that you hit that makes people release their bowels. <laughs> and so like, it's this big draw. Everybody wants to come and see him because then they all get the relief of their bowels being released. But anyway, that's a completely different sound. So sure, maybe it was just an avalanche, but it was just curious that high government Hold officials. What, what is that noise? Something outside. Outside your house? Yeah. Okay. What? No. What does it sound like? I don't know. We were talking about weird noises. It sounded like I heard a large, a loud humming. Oh, I think a truck went by. Okay. Good God. I'm on edge. <laughs> okay. So the theory could be it's an avalanche. It's something simple. But why did high government officials come to see the autopsies? Why was everything sealed? Yeah. So it wasn't until 2019 that because of the families of the victims, they had the case reopened. But officials said they would only consider three theories, an avalanche, a snow slab, or a hurricane. 
That's it. So in July 2020, they came out and stated that the cause of the incident was an avalanche. Likely story. Mm-hmm. Kuryakov, who was the DA, essentially, over there. I don't know what they call him. He said, it, quote, it was a heroic struggle. There was no panic, but they had no chance to save themselves under the circumstances. And now it's closed. But I still think that there's too many factors going on to just explain that it was an avalanche. If they would have come across the remnants of Heather, Josh, and Mikey in Blair Witch and try to recreate that without them conveniently recording everything, right. you know, what would they have come up with? They never would have known that it was the Blair Witch slash Mr. Parr slash the horsehair lady slash whoever. The fisherman. The fisherman, my think response. Josh. Josh, yeah. Slash Mikey. (laughs) (laughs) And so who knows that maybe there wasn't some kind of supernatural entity out there. Yeah. Still like a super interesting story. Still a great mystery that people like to talk about. So that's it. Dyatlov Pass. I will just say that it seems, you know, the avalanche clearly can have explained the radiation. Right. So. Everything that you could talk about is just like something else negates it. So I think it's just going to be one of those mysteries that people will talk about. All right. Very good mystery. Okay, good. All right. Well, stay tuned for next week. Going into uh, October. So we're going to do some more. It seems a little bit redundant to say we're going to do some scary stuff for October. Because this is a a horror (laughs) podcast. But we're going to try and do some more traditional scary stuff. How about that? No art house bullshit. Yeah, maybe movies that people are actively seeking out this time of year. (laughs) You know, that they want to watch. That they curl up on the couch on an October night. In the meantime, you know, if I got anything wrong about the story I told, uh, I'll post where I got my information on our show notes. And if there's anything I missed or anything that you guys want to add, you know, please reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yes. That would be great. And if you do and you want a sticker or something, just let me know. If you want a discount to my Stitch and Kristen, that's fine. Yeah, discount? If you want, just leave us a review. Let, let me know what you want. Okay. <laughs> if you want to pet my new puppy, that's fine. Come on over. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. All right. Good out. Bye. Good night. <laughs>